Hi, guys, and welcome back to The Climate Lawyer, a podcast about the business and law of climate change for lawyers, people who work in the industry, and as ever, the climate curious. I'm your host, Rich Kim, an American lawyer at Clifford Chance, Germany, and part of our firm's climate M&A team. Today, we're going to talk about the role of in-house counsel in champion, championing climate at their organizations. For that, I'm joined by someone who works exactly on that. Um, Adam, could you briefly introduce yourself? Yeah, my name is Adam Woodhall, and I am the founder and chief executive of Lawyers for Net Zero. Awesome. Nice to have you on, Adam. I'm glad that we could finally make this happen. Yeah, delighted to be talking to you, Richard. Great. So I'd like to start a bit on your personal career path. Uh, What led you to being passionate about climate and, and founding Lawyers for Net Zero? Maybe you can also give some background on what Lawyers for Net Zero is. Yeah, of course, of course. So, well, I'll start off with the kind of recent journey around what directly led to Lawyers for Net Zero, and then maybe go back a little bit to go back, right back to the 70s, to my own personal journey. Um, okay. So my background over the last decade or more is actually helping organisations deliver climate action and leadership. And it's, it's clear that climate is the leadership issue of our time. And so what happened is that I, in 2020, realised there was a real opportunity in the legal sector for more action to be happening. Um, So did a considerable amount of research throughout that pandemic, first pandemic year, really understanding the lay of the land regarding the legal sector. And what came out of that research was the realisation that in-house counsel had a particularly powerful opportunity to uh, help drive the climate transition. So in early 2020, I started enrolling GCs and in-house counsel to join our first pilot programme. In June last year, we launched in the autumn, we ran our second pilot programme. And then this year, we've launched our first full impact programme with GCs from organisations such as Standard Chartered and Centrica, GSK, BlackRock, Nestle, Zurich Insurance, Eon, Rolls-Royce and and many more. And But going back to that thing about leadership, that's really what excites me and I think is the real opportunity because so that, you know, any lawyer, whether you're a newly qualified or whether you're the most senior partner, senior general counsel, you are influencing people through the work that you do. Well, I think that's that's so true that, um, you know, as, as part of our work, so much of it, I mean, when we're like negotiating transactions or, or dealing with um, counsel at, at other law firms, a lot of it does essentially involve persuasion and, and clear communication. And so, yeah, I could also see how, and I mean, we at, at CC, I mean, we work with uh, in-house counsel in so many different companies uh, like, like you do and kind of aim for this sort of full service advisory here, including on like complex climate issues. Yeah, exactly. And, and for me, because leadership isn't actually anything to do with titles or even personal attributes. And obviously leadership isn't management. And so the thing is, is that, 
all in-house counsel and all private practice counsel actually have the opportunity to uh, grow their leadership. And what we are offering is that actually because climate is the leadership issue of our time, that the in-house counsel particularly have this kind of this fantastic opportunity to really get involved in that. And because we're needing this work to be to be absolutely done. I have to ask, why is it that you think that climate is the leadership issue of our time? I mean, I, I agree yeah. fully, no, <laughs> but I'm curious what your views are on that. Well, the issue, the really reason is, is because basically our society is looking very kind of shaky on the climate and ecological crises. Because the science is very clear, if we continue at the trajectory where we're going at the moment, we're not, we're not going, we don't have to go on that trajectory, but current trajectory is there will be massive and exponential increasing threat multipliers happening. Now we, and we don't know where and when the next sort of disasters, et cetera, happen in Germany, where you live. There were some big thing, big floods last year. Nobody was expecting that. In in India this year, nobody was expecting the absolute real intensity of the heat wave that's happening. But what we can be certain is that they will cause huge dislocations in every country around the world in various different ways. So the all organisations, including even those that are currently seen as leaders, we believe must fast track the transition if we are to keep a livable planet and that's the key thing is that it's we have a livable planet for human civilization at the moment and we need to keep that for this generation because it'll start falling apart during this generation it's already there's indications clearly through the things that i've just mentioned and especially for future generations and so what the reason why it's the uh, issue is climate is because effectively it's as uh, some people call it a wicked problem there's we could spend 10 podcasts talking about <laughs> why it's so difficult to deal with right. but the challenge is is that basically the science has been clear since actually pretty much the certainly the 80s and even arguably the 70s when i was born in the 70s and now it's like actually moved on and so but because of various reasons that it's it's not cutting through in the way that we have to deal with this because and so what, what we need to do is basically we need that leadership to keep that livable planet i could see what you mean that it's it's almost like climate is is sort of like similar to the threats to democracy in mm. a lot of countries where there's really like no two sides to the issue, right? But there is kind of this gap between what we all know to be true, that climate change is an existential threat to humanity and what's actually happening in that the, the pace of addressing that is not where we need it to be. And that, that gap only becomes sort of filled in by folks really taking on leadership, including within these very large and sort of influential organizations. Absolutely. So I, I, I think just um, hooking on to that, what specifically drew you to like focusing on in-house counsel in combating climate change versus like, for example, chief sustainability officers at at these organizations. I'm, I'm kind of curious. Yeah. So actually the, the 
some of the previous work I've done in the past is working with chief sustainability officers, environment directors, etc. And they've actually got a really tough job because yeah. uh, in some ways there uh, there's a, a sort of a semi-conscious, unconscious expectation that they'll, they'll be basically sort out the sustainability for their organisation. And the if this was like, say, the chief kind of data officer that needs to sort out GDPR, well, then it's okay. You, you could kind of like, you know, delegate it to that chief data officer. But this is a little more serious than GDPR. This is, as I've just identified, you know, keeping a livable planet for all. And so, number one, we need, as an as a absolute base, we need as many influential people in the organisation to be uh, supporting the, the transition of that organisation, the rapid transition. Um, but why GC specifically? I mean, mm. there's, there's numerous reasons. Uh, a big one is that they're seen as the moral compass of the organisation, being able to understand not what, what we call the three R's of ESG. So obviously people know the three R's of e eco-hygiene, reduce, reuse, reuse, recycle. But what we say the three R's of ESG are uh, rules, risk and right thing. And the GC is like that's kind of what they've got to be looking at, those three R's. And, and because of the, their status within an organisation, you know, when it comes down to it, you don't expect the GC to be a tree hugger. So if they are, you know, going into the board or in uh, kind of like executive meetings with the CEO and, and lobbying for legitimate net zero or really cautioning against greenwashing, that's going to be really taken very seriously. So it's and it's it's also, you know, they've got the opportunity to kind of, again, do something which is maybe slightly uh, unexpected, but will be really is really powerful when it does happen is when they say, actually, we've got to go beyond compliance. So obviously, you know, there is an increasing amount of rules, the first of the three hours of ESG, which mm -hmm. are which are happening. And, and then there's certain risks which are compliance related. But actually when it gets very interesting is when actually, the, you know, they, can, the, they get uh, encouraged boldness on it because what they're doing is, is another aspect which they, they do is related to the moral compass really is the horizon scanning. So they can kind of look at what's, what potentially the incoming risks, but also look at the opportunities that can be built. And so I think, you know, in a sort of this, hel the holistic helicopter view that a GC and their teams can take, they can, they can do all of that. And then also, obviously, a lot of things go through the legal team. Right. And so effectively, the legal team both has this opportunity to advise and champion, as, as you kind of opened up on, but also there's the kind of practical, you know, climate clauses, due diligence, procurement issues, which actually they can kind of get, they can get their fingers dirty with and actually really help practically work with that sort of thing. Yeah, you know, I've, I was thinking about this as, as you were um, responding on, on this question. And I guess there's sort of like two points that I'm really coming away with here is, is uh, the first, and I've read some articles on this. I mean, the sort of modern in-house counsel, the sort of modern GC, you know, I think the, the role is evolving where you're not really, 
you're not just focused on what the sort of legal minimum is for your organization, but you're also trying to think ahead of like, okay, you're not, what should we be doing in this instant too? Like also just sort of taking this, this approach where you're trying to give a more holistic advisory, like, like you're saying. And then second is, yeah, and we see this too at, at CC that lawyers are kind of uniquely positioned to make progress on issues that are complicated like climate because we kind of sit at this like intersection of legal and regulatory regimes, finance, transactions, taxonomy, litigation, disclosures, I mean, sort of, you name it. So I could definitely could see that being a sort of very practical focus in terms of lawyers and in-house counsel being empowered to be messengers in their organizations. Absolutely, absolutely. And it's it's and and this is the thing that we're seeing is that not only is this uh, obviously going to be helpful for our planet and society, um, it's also clearly helpful for the business. This is great for lawyers' careers um, because. This is an area which, like companies, are struggling with, and the mm-hmm. they, the key thing is the sustainability um, lead. They what we see that our champions as as being effectively that person's best friend, chief cheerleader in in enabling that because rather than it just being somebody who's maybe two rungs below the C-suite um, being being doing that and being somewhat all of a lone voice comparatively, you've got the GC and then it kind of creates this kind of social proof that this is something that we must be taking more, even much more action on to be able to deliver this to, to and, and get the leadership going. Right. And, you know, I guess I would even have two kind of further points on, on supplementing that is, is first, like, even for folks who are kind of lower than the GC level, for example, I mean, it is a way to get a lot of visibility within your organization when you are like a go-to person when it comes to to climate. I mean, that that definitely has to be the case. And mm. and second is that, you know, I think it's it's not only framing it from a risk per, risk perspective. I mean, of, of course that certainly is a concern. Like what you mentioned with these sort of dawn raids around these greenwashing allegations and and issues that that arise but also framing it also more as a, as an opportunity too to say like actually it makes a lot of good business and commercial sense when engaging in transactions for example that have a positive climate impact you know we know that this huge energy transition is taking place of epic proportions and you know how can our organization benefit from that by sort of leaning into our our business strategy around climate and we saw that there's this kind of effectively unseen opportunity to work on this direct kind of agency building uh, which is what is the foundation of what helps create leadership for us i really like that term that you're using agency building because you know, I think that there, with a lot of these problems, whether it's climate or even whatever I was referenced before, sort of these attacks on democracy that we're seeing, like it's such really huge issues and folks maybe don't know how, including, I mean, myself at times, don't know how to sort of get your head around all the different sort of complicated and overwhelming aspects of these these big societal problems. And I think the important thing to continually emphasize is that, you know, 
you have agency, I have agency, we can, you know, we have the sort of power to affect change in our organizations, in our work, in what we are, in the kind of, basically the kind of future that we're building, right? Absolutely. And I think the challenge is, though, that due to actually the kind of, to a certain extent, siloized nature of society and businesses is that we don't necessarily feel that we've got agency in the way that we could do and because it's agency is not just about knowledge or you know education even though that can help because so what our belief is in terms of that you know helping create leadership by building agency which is our core focus how we do that is, is really focus on enabling, first of all, the in-house lawyers to give themselves permission to just start, to build that agency. And then over time, our process is designed to help kind of create ha a habit of taking action, a habit of asking questions, a habit of delivering those contract clauses, whatever it might be. And then, you know, longer term, once you've created a habit and you're doing that, you can actually then go off and empower others as an in-house counsel. You can be supporting others through that. And that's so and and it's actually all of those are kind of small loops of agency, which create much bigger loops of agency, which then leads to the leadership that we're really looking for, if that all makes right. sense. Right. I mean, I could I really could see this sort of fitting into like the the sort of broader suite of in-house counsel and just and just employees of companies more generally like becoming more effective managers like seeking out coaching seeking out ways to really sort of take a hands-on approach to 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 their careers and to sort of implementing their values uh, in their work and so you know i think having climate uh, like you said uh, this being such a huge sort of leadership issue being part of that is a really important thing I think we may have already sort of covered this this next question, but what do you think are like the biggest challenges that in-house counsel face when they they want to influence their organization's climate strategies, or what are the and what are the biggest challenge that that you guys face at Lawyers for Net Zero? Um, yeah. It it sounds like based on what you're saying that a lot of this does kind of you know start with like where do i even start right where do i even like begin to address yeah. this really big problem and that's actually the two very related issues time that's the first issue um and then not knowing where to start and actually probably related to that is obviously because you know overwhelmingly in-house lawyers come from private practice and in private practice you tend to build up a specialism so then you become somebody who really does know a lot about your specialism. Clearly, though, um, within in-house, you've got to know a lot about a lot. And that, that's challenging to do that. So the, the, the those so basically, you maybe don't feel as though you've got the time. You don't know much. And also, you're kind of putting pressure on yourself. That, oh, I must be an expert on this. So guess what happens? People just don't start. So that that's why we say that the, the most important part of our process is people give themselves permission to just join the program and give it a go. And that's why we we focused it on being, you know, most of the sessions are half an hour long to make it so it's kind of digestible. We don't put lots of pressure on people in that way. Um, so that they can feel as though that they can start to do some stuff. And then 
quickly the ball can start rolling, but we don't say the ball needs to be rolling fast or it needs to be a big ball if to, to uh, kind of continue that analogy at the start. And then the because and then related to that, another big problem is that within businesses, whatever the level is, but especially once you get to the uh, the top of uh, whatever department is, in this case, it's the legal team. There's a narrative that you must be really great at prioritization. And then it's about really understanding <clears throat> that you need to then delegate the things which aren't like the super big priority. Now, it, just to return to something that I was kind of like alluding towards earlier, what, what is kind of happening though is that climate is, because society largely treats climate as effectively an issue that needs to be dealt with, but it's kind of maybe somebody else's problem because it's, it's not a big problem now, is it? It's kind of, it's, it's not. And you don't maybe see it in daily life. Yeah, exactly. Because it not. doesn't affect. Whereas you know, obviously, when uh, Russia invades Ukraine, that's a big problem. When actually GDPR, when the European Union is going to be bringing in some rules at the uh, particular date, and you could be prosecuted after that if you haven't got your GDPR policies sorted, you've got a you've got a burning platform. Right, you or a digital market sort market that act. Yeah, the, the DMA, that's also recently an, an issue in that space, right? Exactly. So the thing is, is what happens is understandably another challenge that the, the council face is knowing how to uh, deal with the fact that this needs an, a much higher priority if we're to take the leadership required and if we're to keep the livable planet that we need. And so the, so what our kind of narrative and this is this is resonating and we're getting the feedback that they're managing to do this is effectively that it's working out how can they delegate some of the other things that were seen as more kind of they had to do but now could be seen as more business as usual so then that gets so that that then cre creates space for them to be able to prioritize this because of the both the, the 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 career opportunities, the business challenges and opportunities, but then also you know the societal stuff as well, so that we keep that livable planet. Yeah, I I think there's there's kind of also two aspects of that I'm really resonating with here of, of what you're saying is the first being like well the value of incremental progress mm. that you know I think a, a lot of folks when you sort of picture making progress at your organization or you know on a on a really big issue that you care about it's sort of like you know big initiatives sort of like very flashy it's sort of picturing like okay you know we're going to like really rally everybody to get around this and you know everyone will there'll be a lot of buy-in and we'll sort of get these big group calls or these big you know sort of working groups on these things and you know i think of course, I mean, for transactions, for example, that's, you know, sort yeah. of what you, you need to be doing. And, you know, but I just think that, like, for certain items that are these kind of, like, long, intractable and big problems, I think it's it's really worth it to value incremental progress, the sort of, like, you know, every day sort of pushing the ball a little bit or every week doing what you can and secondly as part of that really also like greatness being in the agency of others too mm. um also when it comes to expertise even for example you know what um whatever that means i think uh you know and like you were saying before you can't be an expert at everything the reason that you're at a large and successful organization is because there's so many people who have such deep 
expertise and capabilities. And at the end of the day, if you really want to make something successful and to make a really big impact, that requires also having other people who are extremely capable and supporting you. And, you know, I certainly see this here at, at Clifford Chance too, where I'm also getting in, getting other colleagues involved. And I feel like so much of what I'm, the success that, you know, we have is ultimately based on, you know, a, a sort of a, a team effort at the end of the day. Yeah, that's it. exactly. This is the thing. And one of the things we we focus on the council coming in generally as individuals. And now sometimes that individual is like the, the global GC of a large corporate. But then what it is, is whatever it is, then they can work out how they can bring their team in. Now, obviously, if the global GC comes in and, you know, finds the program useful, as is happening, then they start to go, right, how can we bring the rest of my team in? But uh, it might be that there's uh, heads of heads of department uh, in the legal team. Again, they can do that with their team. We've got a few of those. And then even some of the kind of more mid-rank council that, that uh, are in our programme, they've got the opportunity to actually take that up to their GC and offer to the GC, you know, what, why the, these, there's all these opportunities that we've been discussing about today. Because when it comes down to it, you know, we can overestimate what we'll achieve in a week but underestimate what we can achieve in a year and so what it is is absolutely going back to what you're saying is that by starting those that ball rolling then it's amazing what can be uh, changed and transformed in just a year never mind uh, three years or so and 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 it's you know we need those balls rolling and also we need to make sure that we don't overwhelm ourselves by thinking we're going to change right. everything now Exactly. Um, it's and in a sense, what well, that's why we focus on like let's get these meaningful actions. So it's not like you know what I've talked about eco hygiene. It's not about like making sure that the the cups in the canteen are sorted or that there's the the papers all recycled. It's actually the the kind of chunky stuff that we've identified in our net zero action principles, which will really make that difference. But don't try and do all of them at once. Pick off some particular ones and see what it's like and even within that test and learn you might find that you choose three things you do really well with one you do fairly well with another and then actually one doesn't really work out great you've just learned something and i think part of what we're trying to bring to this and is resonating with with our champions is actually it's okay to not be perfect and uh, and it's important to just get out there and try some things and actually then you can get really get going because because of the nature of the topic people are pretty forgiving around this as well and they, they're not going to expect you to be perfect um either I, I think i want that to be like the inscription of like my life story uh, not, not being perfect but not being afraid to just go out and try things you know i think that that's a good pretty good uh, motto slash credo to have in life definitely so uh, thanks a lot adam this has been great I, I, out of curiosity and as just as one last question like where do you see lawyers for net zero in like even in five years or in 10 years like what's the sort of the big vision for for where this goes yeah, well, we've I've got some ideas on what we'd like to achieve. And really what this is all about is about how we are helping being part of keeping that livable planet for all and how the legal sector can be an overwhelmingly positive influence on that journey of our society and that transition. 
And then, you know, so for us, it's like, you know, how can we scale globally? We're, we're, we're proving the things. We've actually got champions from all around the world, from the Americas, from Europe, from Asia. And uh, we're still sort of, you know, we're only a year after starting. So really, it's about how can we be part of in five years, in 10 years, uh, a very big movement within all society that's moving faster, maybe even much faster than where we where we are at the moment in a way that we couldn't imagine. And I, and I think that's entirely possible. Great. Adam, thanks so much for for joining today. It's been a great conversation. And so, yeah, I think we'll we'll, we'll uh, now call it at, at this point. Yeah. Um, Delighted to be speaking to you. And uh, th- thanks for giving me this opportunity to talk to your audience. Uh, it's a real privilege. A pleasure. Okay, so thank you very much for listening, everyone. You can subscribe to this podcast by visiting our website or by uh, looking up the Clifford Chance podcast on your app of choice. We recently were added to Spotify, so that's great. We're currently planning another Clifford Chance podcast series focusing on carbon offsetting. That's going to be with my colleagues out of here in our Dusseldorf office, Matthias Elschbas and Frederick Meinke. And uh, so you guys can look forward to that. As always, you can email any questions or feedback to richard.kim at cliffordchance.com. And please follow Clifford Chance on LinkedIn. Thanks very much. The content of this podcast does not constitute legal advice and should not be relied upon as such. Specific legal advice about your specific circumstances should always be sought separately before taking any action.